All right. Good morning. I think if I would have said, I'm working on this right now, so it's loving kindness and the 12 steps, we would have gotten more people. So uh, it's, I, uh, it seems to be my core audience, all these addicts, and if they don't see 12 steps, then they're not going to come. So uh, although others have blamed various religious holidays that are happening this weekend. And normally I get a larger group in that, which it's, it's great that you are all here. And it's nice to have a small group because we can really work together. Uh, but the ego and greedy mind that teachers have, in case you didn't know, wants, you know, massive masses and adulation. So uh, if you could all just, you know, be really, you know, adulatory, what is it? Adulatory today? And anyway, um, it's great to be at New York Insight. I love this center. Uh, I've been coming here uh, since before it existed, actually. Sandra Weinberg, one of the founders, she and I taught a day-long retreat. I think it was at like PS1 or one of those PSs in 2003 uh that was the year before one breath at a time was published so uh and sandra and as well as gina sharp the other one of the other founders here uh we all went through a teacher training together at spirit rock meditation center in northern california uh back in the late 90s so uh have a lot of connections as well as i'm from the east coast even though i live in berkeley california uh which you may have heard of. It's a small town, but it's got a big reputation. <laughs> and uh, But I'm from the East Coast, and I always had a big kind of New York part of my life. I, two of my brothers wound up working here, and so I'm staying with my niece down in Tribeca. And, uh, I have a great affection for the city, and I'm also a lifelong Yankee fan. So uh, we started out the season two and zero. Oh, we're looking good, uh, but uh, some pe- some people don't pay attention to that, which is always weird to me. In New York, I'm like, so how about the Yankees? People are like, uh, I don't know, I don't follow baseball. And what? <laughs> like you're either a Yankee fan or a Mets fan. Like, don't tell me you're not. You just you have to move out to Connecticut if you want to live like that. Be like that. Anyway, um, as uh, Kathy said. You know, this new book, which is what I'm really teaching from and through, uh, is this uh, exploration that I've been doing. And and as I started to work on it, I realized that I'd been working on it for 20 years. Um, There's a couple of suttas um, in it, uh, two of them, that... uh, were some of the first suttas that I really uh, worked with as a as a Dharma teacher, and uh, also as a parent, um, which which I will that'll I'll explain why that those are connected <laughs> as the day goes on. But this the primary reason for this book and this teaching that I've been working with is to broaden the people's idea of what loving kindness or in the Pali language metta what it means 
Um, when I started to practice in 1980, you would do some loving kindness at the end of a retreat or at the end of a class. And it was kind of be like the cherry on top part of the retreat or the class. In 1995, Sharon Salzberg's book, Loving Kindness, came out, and it kind of revolutionized Western Buddhism. Um, as somebody who's been around for a long time, it's in, I've, I've seen a lot of trends, so it's I'm just giving you a little bit of this framework on this particular topic. So at that point, and, and there'd been sort of a build-up to this, but that really broke open a whole new stream of teachings in Western Buddhism where many teachers started to uh, teach loving-kindness as a central teaching. They do entire retreats that were metta retreats. And uh, instead of it just being this extra thing, it became really central. And um, that's one of the most important developments, actually, in in the course of the development of Western Buddhism, in my view. Uh, that was really important because people often misunderstand mindfulness, and that's something that I'll probably will probably come through today as well. But w particularly what they misunderstand is that m mindfulness is actually supposed to include being kind to yourself. <laughs> and very often somehow people kind of use meditation and mindfulness practice as a way to crit criticize themselves. You know, they, they start trying to meditate and then because their mind wanders, they think they're doing it wrong or they're not good at it and then they get frustrated with themselves. And that's not the spirit of mindfulness. That's not what mindfulness is supposed to be about. It's not meant to be self-judgment in that way. Um, self-reflection, self-analysis, but not self-judgment. So bringing in loving-kindness really helped, I think, to... Uh, I think it really brought a lot of healing, actually, to Western Buddhism, because it's a very healing practice. But <laughs> there's one downside, which is that, and I blame it on marketing, actually. You know, in the culture we live in, it's, everything has to be promoted in one way or another, even Buddhism. Um, and what it looks like to me, and, and I'm sort of the judgmental type, so but is that sometimes loving-kindness gets marketed as this feel-good practice and and that it becomes another way that people judge themselves oh I'm not loving enough you know I don't deserve love I mean human beings were pretty messed up anyway you know God bless us but uh, or somebody bless us something bless us but, um, you know, we can kind of take a good idea and mess it up. <laughs> so, uh, nonetheless, what I, one of the, the, 
this idea of how you should be practice loving kindness, I think then became very meditation oriented. Come and do loving kindness meditation. And then that will transform you. It'll open your heart. You'll love everybody. Great. Which is true, for at least temporarily. <laughs> you know, it kind of wears off. That is the feeling of loving everybody that you get. So, what I have seen and reflected on and really started to get deeply into as I worked on this project was that loving kindness is much more than a meditation practice or a way to feel good or even just a way to kind of feel open-hearted and connected with everything. That it really has these broad, broad implications. And as I went back and started to look at and kind of put together these different suttas that I had studied over the years, uh, I started to form this uh, more uh, uh, kind of comprehensive view of what loving kindness means. And I did that with just a few suttas. It's actually, uh, the, uh, this book is really fundamentally based in four suttas which we'll go over today. And this isn't going to be a dry sutta study. <laughs> uh, in fact, the suttas are very alive for me, and I hope to help them to be alive for you, which is the secondary purpose in this project, is that the, the suttas, which are the earliest Buddhist teachings from what's called the Pali Canon. Pali is the language of early Buddhism. The, the sutta means discourse or teaching. They can seem very dry and technical, but w when, you, when you learn how to read them, they start to come alive in a very rich way. And so that, that's one of the things I wanted to help people to have a way into the suttas, to be able to engage them and enjoy them. As many of them, as you'll see today, have stories and characters and things going on uh, that make them, give them that kind of narrative that, that makes any kind of uh, teaching uh, more accessible and um, more relatable. So that's, that's kind of the overview. Um, so let's... Let's start with some meditation.